Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing out another Q&A episode. But first, since it's been, I feel like, forever, let's do some catching up. Nicole, what's new? What is new? Um, I, I Even since I updated the show notes, there's been changes. Shay has now lost two teeth. Oh, my gosh. I, awesome. Has, has uh, Paige lost any? Oh, no. And she would be very, very jealous if she heard this. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, um. The tooth fairy has visited. Uh, one, one, uh, my father in law was around for, and so it was. It was a bit of a different take. The tooth was left on the door handle in a little purse. Oh yeah, I've heard that. Uh, but the dollar was left under the pillow. Well, the tooth fairy that came last night took a little, took a little pivot there, and she uh, <laughs> left the dollar in the purse. Oh. Um, he or she. Shay's very clear that she's not sure on the gender of the fairy, but yeah, yeah, it's all very interesting. So she, she's looking, she's looking cute. I mean, those teeth are, they're coming in real crooked. Oh Um, yeah. And yeah, I I guess we don't really have a whole lot going on. Okay. So once people are done listening to our podcast, because obviously they Mm -hmm. love it, um, Mm -hmm. they should go listen to Unlocking Us with Brene Brown. Okay. I am a huge Brene Brown fan, but she has a couple of recent episodes, one that she interviews Barack Obama. And if I didn't already like love the man, I mean, he is just outstanding. And then she has another one with Dak Shepard as well Mm -hmm. as another uh, podcaster. It's just very, it's a great podcast. I'm really enjoying it. One day I was like, I'm going for a walk and Mark's like, I'll join you. And I'm like, "Mm, could you not? Like, I mean, you know. My podcast time. such a jerk. Um, but he did. And then he peeled off and went home and I continued on. Nice. Um, so should I know who Brene Brown is? So Brene Brown is a pretty famous author. She's, um, okay. I think of her as being a leader in leadership. Um, okay. She did, uh, published like Dare to Lead. Uh, she's just huge, huge, huge in the area of research and publishing on leadership. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very inspirational. If you have not read anything by her, I highly recommend. Um, and then just a little tip for parents out there. I don't know about your kids, Gina, but my kids, once they get onto a game, they want us to play it with them, which is fine. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, we love that. But it is nice if they have an option that they can play by themselves. And so at six and four, Zingo has been a huge mm-hmm. win for the kids. It was a gift uh, from Christmas for my in-laws. To the kids and me, I guess. But if, if parents are looking for a, for a kid, uh, like just something that they can do on their own um, that you, they would enjoy as well as Zingo. Okay. You know, we have that game and oh. I can't, maybe I should bring it back. It's one of those games that we haven't played in a while. I think the, the first time we did play it, maybe the kids were too young for it because it was probably over a year ago hmm. at okay. this point. So perhaps I'll bring that back. We're always looking for new. We open our, um, you know, our game closet. We're just like, ah, uh, let's mm-hmm. see. We played that yesterday. We played that the day before. Yeah. So and there's go. always rock paper out. scissors, a recent favorite. That's what we do before <laughs> bed every night. Shay's like rock paper scissors, first one to ten. I beat her every time. I'm like, oh my, gosh. it's a game of chance. How is this even possible? Okay, so we we recently started playing Uno again, and I don't know. I kept winning. And I felt so bad. So I purpose, I did. I actually had to purposely lose because she was getting so angry. And I am not the type to just let my kids win because, you know, I got to let them win. No, I just, I think I beat her like 10 times and I'm finally like, okay, I got to let her win one. Like this was, it was bad. I mean, I purposely didn't play wild cards or plus fours. Yeah, it was so, so weird. I'm like, Paige, what are you doing? Anyway, I don't know <laughs> what's what new with you there. guys. Oh, yeah. So same with you. Not a whole, whole lot. Um, I forgot to, I wanted to ask, you know, we haven't spoken at least on the podcast since Christmas. And I wanted to ask also how your Christmas was. Did you guys have a nice Christmas? It was very quiet, but it was good. How was yours? Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. We did still have our, you know, all of our family is in town. So I've got my brother in town, my mom, my dad and his wife, and then my husband, Nick's uh, mother as well. 
So we did get together with all of them. We all wore masks. We were socially distant as much as possible. And I was also tested like throughout the entire uh, break because I have access to that. And, you know, I'm not saying that I feel great about doing that, but it worked out. And so that was nice for us to, you know, at least be around people because I will tell you, you know, having 12 days off and it being cold outside and most things being closed, things that we would normally do, like go to the pool or go to COSI, which is a science. It's like that place we went to when I visited you. It's like a science-y museum for kids, Mm -hmm. basically. It's closed. There's just nothing to do. So literally we were going crazy. So those two days we did have family around and it was lots of fun. Uh, So that was nice. It was a white Christmas, which I don't think we've had. I can't remember the last white Christmas we had. You guys had a white Christmas too, right? Yes, it was beautiful. Oh, I just love it. When it doesn't snow, it does not feel like Christmas to me. So it was, that was a nice little um, kind of last hurrah for 2020. I appreciated that. I've really been loving Fit by Laurie on YouTube. That's L-A-R-I-E. I I wanted to throw that in. I know I mentioned this, I think a couple podcast episodes ago, but I've been doing her bar workouts and they kick my butt and they are just, I, I look forward to doing them every day, even though they're hard. You know, I look forward to that. I don't do them every day. I do it like twice a week, but I've really been enjoying her workouts. I just wanted to throw that in there as well. It's kind of our birthday mayhem. If you've been on listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that we have so Christmas, then New Year's, then Nick's birthday, then my birthday, then Cameron's birthday. And then six months later, it's Paige's birthday. Poor thing. (laughs) But she gets her own, you know, time of the year. So tomorrow is Nick's birthday. Then my birthday is a couple of weeks later. Then Cameron's birthday is a couple of weeks later. So we've got lots of birthdays coming up. Um, But most importantly, tonight is the national championship game and OSU is playing Alabama. Yeah, we're about to be national championship winners. <laughs> we'll see, Gina. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm probably going to eat my words soon. We definitely aren't looking good on the what the spread, I guess. But uh, we'll see. We also, I don't think we're supposed to win last night, the uh, Cleveland Browns against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL, which is not uh-huh. my thing at all. But we definitely um, came out strong in that one. All right. <laughs> so that's it. I really have nothing else. Pretty boring around here because, you know, it's still COVID land and not too much going on. Did you want to, for our new listeners, so for our new listeners, I know we've got some out there. We're just going to do a little update on us. I know we do have an initial, (laughs) our first episode, (laughs) we talk all about who we are, what we do, and our kids. If you are brave enough to go back and listen to that, feel free. (laughs) I think I recorded that in our kitchen floor, on our kitchen floor. I know, I know I did. Um, So that was, that was a doozy. But we'll just kind of give you a quick update now, just uh, real short and sweet. So, Nicole, why don't you go? Yeah. And if people listen to that and they're still listening, God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, I'm Nicole, mom to two girls, Shay, who is six, and Piper, who is four, married to Mark. Uh, He, I guess it will be 11 years. No, it'll be 12. It has been 11 years. My goodness. Mm. We live in Southwest Michigan. So Gene and I are both located in the South um, Midwest, the Southwest. Oh, geez. Um, And we record our podcast at night when we're usually really tired. Um, But I work for a large health system on the west side of the state here in Michigan, and I'm the manager uh, for diabetes and nutrition there. I have been blogging for 11 and a half years at PreventionRD.com. Very, um, I don't even know what to say about my blog. It's just, it's it's just part of me. It's like an extension <laughs> of me. Um, it's been a, a very rewarding 11 and a half years uh, because of the blog. I've authored a couple cookbooks. Um, and yeah, I just kind of crank along. So about two to three times a week, I'm posting new recipes and content there. Check it out. I, as you'll learn on the show, love my Peloton. I'm obsessed. I also play ice hockey. I do play tennis. It's not pretty, but I try. I'm very obsessed with craft beer. Absolutely love it. And just as of recently, also bourbon. Um, absolutely Ooh. love to cook. I'm a cooking fanatic. Uh, and that's why, Gina, you're a sport. You wait for me every every night when we podcast because I'm running around taking pictures of food and feeding the family, <laughs> trying to feed the family. Um, and yeah, I love to cook, bake, all that kind of stuff. So that's a bit about me. What about you? Yeah. So I have two kids as well, but I do have a boy and a girl. Paige is my six-year-old. So same age as um, Nicole's oldest daughter, Shay. I would consider her very highly sensitive, which we did do a podcast episode about way back when. 
She's artistic and spirited and also hilarious. And then Cameron is my son. He's going to be four in February. Also extremely sensitive and right now into Transformers and Avengers and also um, Power Rangers, which I watched as a kid. So it's making me, I actually, he was actually just watching before I came down here an episode that I watched when I was in like fourth grade. It was real weird. Um, they, still, they, they still play him on Netflix. He's also super, super snuggly. He's my snuggler. Paige will not snuggle with me. I went upstairs to give them a kiss goodnight and Cameron gave me a big smooch and Paige just turned away. Yeah, that's my kids. Uh, I've got my husband, Nick, and we've been together for almost 15 years, but married for eight. Uh, we live in Columbus and I work in collegiate food service, helping college students who have food allergies. And my passion is really in intuitive eating, especially after years of an eating disorder and disordered eating. I love to read, play pickleball, which also isn't pretty, but it's so much fun. Uh, I do bar now. It's like my th- thing. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a, what does it call? A, a barga? Like nonsense. Or no, what is that? Yogi or a bari? I don't even know what they're called. I was going like to call you a bar. barista. I was going to say barista, but <laughs> that's good. I like that. <laughs> and I also love to do hit spin rides. Uh, I like to walk, go on long bike rides with my family, bake, cook, read, and especially watch Netflix shows. That's kind of how my husband and I bond late at night, staring at the screen. <laughs> All right. So before we uh, begin, just a quick favor to ask. If you like this podcast, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us, and they really help us reach more people. So we'd really appreciate it. And we just reached 100, which was amazing. I love to see that. I, I mean, so exciting, right, Nicole? I was pumped. Yeah. <laughs> 100 reviews. It only took us two years to get there. That's not terrible. We know more people listen than that. Yes. So that's why we ask you every episode to leave us. <laughs> every episode. You'll never, we'll never stop. <laughs> All right. So before we dive in, every once in a while, we like to ask our listeners to send us their questions, whether it's nutrition or wellness related or personal. Um, we, we, we see that you enjoy these just as much as we do, these Q&As. We see it in the stats. Um, and truly, we do enjoy answering your questions, especially when they're random. Um, there's there's at least one random question in there today. Uh, so today, let's just go ahead and dive right in with our first question. And I'll let you answer this one first, Nicole. I, I find that whenever I'm hosting the Q&A episode, I always uh, throw you under the bus first. So here we go. If you ever want me to go first, let me know. <laughs> oh, are we? Are what? we doing? Uh, no, go ahead. What? No, I was just going to make sure we were on the question that I thought we were on. The anti-inflammatory one? Okay, yes. Yeah. All right. So the one that you couldn't see before we started, it's there. (laughs) All right. So the question was or is, I know there are anti-inflammatory foods, like antioxidants, but what what about those lists of pro-inflammatory foods that are often on the websites or like WebMD, et cetera? Often they say avoid certain foods. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are that (laughs) <laughs> the the list is probably long and, and probably not always um, uh, c- consistent from one source to the next. And I think we talked a little bit about this question before the, we started airing today, but my spin on this is really more like a sodium potassium kind of thing. We spend so much of our time talking about what to eliminate or restrict in the diet without really focusing on what we should emphasize in the diet mm-hmm. or try to include more of those anti-inflammatory foods. So whoever asked this question, I think I would encourage um, just a, the adding in more anti-inflammatory foods rather than focus, focusing on elimination. So I always think of it as glass half full or – and I think a lot of times people just go to, straight to what should we limit, um, which kind of takes the intuitiveness out of the way that we, we eat. Uh, and so I think it's going back to how do foods make you feel and then taking knowledge of in this instance, anti-inflammatory foods and finding ways to increase the healthfulness of your diet. How can you sneak those in and, and just emphasize them in the diet, um, highlight them a bit more? So I just take a, a pretty glass half full approach to things like this. What about you? Yeah. And I like what you said about the potassium and sodium. And just just to kind of explain that a little bit, because we as dietitians may understand that. And I know we have a lot of dietitian listeners. So, but you know, we, you all, all, are often reading online or hearing healthcare professionals say, reduce sodium, reduce sodium, reduce sodium. But very rarely do you hear, oh, increase your potassium. Increasing your potassium can actually help ameliorate in a way in a higher sodium diet. But we never hear that. It's always the focus on reducing sodium. And it's funny because now on the food label, they've actually, 
I think I want to say, yeah, now they include potassium, um, the percentage of daily value for potassium, because it's super, super important to make sure we're getting enough and Americans aren't getting enough. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I think it's good to focus on foods to increase rather than foods to decrease. So those lists that this person is is referring to often list things like sugar or red meats or refined grains or dairy. And sure, I, I am definitely someone who agrees with the idea that those foods and ingredients should probably be reduced or you shouldn't eat those in large quantities, but more so it's important to focus on increasing your anti-inflammatory foods, like your fruits, specifically berries, your vegetables, specifically your greens, um, whole grains, fatty fish, oils, like nut from nuts and seeds. You know, in my opinion, I think the more you focus on increasing those, really the less room you'll have for the other foods. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one, Nicole. All right. The next question is, what's the deal with natural flavors? And I'll actually go ahead and take this one because actually, I don't think you even answered it, but mine's long winded. So you probably were like, whoa, Gina, I'll let you. I was like, you got it. I was like, (laughs) perfect. Go for it, Gina. Okay, so this question, I I feel like we've actually had this question a couple of times, but we've never actually discussed it really on on the podcast. Uh, There's a lot of alarming and frankly, inaccurate information out there. I would say the things you should look for is information coming from a company that has a tie to some type of a natural food company, which means there's a bias and they have a specific agenda. I know a friend of mine recently sent me this video and actually she listens to this podcast and it was all about, you know, damaging natural flavors. And I I, I believe that the they had a tie to some natural food company, but they just kept using words like you know, it will kill you or, you know, harmful, deadly. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I couldn't even watch it. It was just, I, I can't stand that. Um, never consume this food. And a lot of times it's talking about natural flavors. So all in all, truth be told, natural flavors may not be what you think. So it's true. You, you might not be actually getting something that is made of plants that are abundant on our mother earth. Although it is true that they are derived from something natural. They have almost all been manipulated though somehow and may contain actually up to 50 to 100 other ingredients, which I know just sounds, does sound a little bit alarming, but they're not going to be harmful ingredients. So um, they could include unnatural things like stabilizer, stabilizers, or even I will say this, I, I learned this when I was looking up natural flavors, animal products. Obviously, if you're a vegan or trying to avoid animal products, you'll want to look for something that actually says vegan or um, plant-based to make sure that the natural flavors in your products aren't derived from animal products because animals are natural, right? Uh, But the truth is generally, if a food contains natural flavors, it's going to be pretty far down on the ingredient list and a very small portion of the overall ingredients, especially when it's a minimally processed food. Overall, it is my opinion you should feel good knowing that natural flavors aren't out to get you and aren't harmful. But if you do have a food allergy, it's really important, especially if it's beyond the top eight, that you will need to call the food company to find out if a natural flavor contains those allergens, which I think, I mean, how how obnoxious would that be if you have an, an allergy beyond that, you know, the fish, the shellfish, the peanuts, the tree nuts? You don't know if natural flavors contains, you know, the, I can't even think, let's say mustard seed that you might be allergic to. And that's just got to be a real nuisance. So hopefully, you know, the FDA is working out something with that, but I don't know. I feel like it's been like that for a while. I will, I'm going to put a link to an article from a great dietitian here in Columbus, Sally Kuzumchek, uh, with more details on natural flavors, but it basically says everything I just said, but a little, with a little bit more detail and it's just, it's just very well written and I really respect her work. Lastly, if you still don't trust natural flavors, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to listen to me or to Sally. There are ways to limit or to avoid them, but it basically means making a lot of your own food. And hey, if you can do that, great, more power to you. And then another option would be to buy all organic. Uh, In order for a natural flavor to be considered organic, there are actually some rules that need to be followed, such as no synthetic solvents or preservatives which is actually not true of conventional national natural flavors. So yes, that was a mouthful, but you know, all in all, you know, I personally do not avoid natural flavors, but the reason is is because I don't buy a lot of processed foods. But when I do, do I worry about the natural flavors? Not really, because I just know that you know, at least 50% of the foods that we have in our house are, you know, 
handmade by me. What about you, Nicole? The only food, actually a beverage, is LaCroix. That you that you could get natural flavors from? That I make note. I mean, you know, because oh, okay. it's it just I mean, it's just so clear. It's like water, yes. natural flavors. Um, it's because not, it's, yeah, it's, it's such a short ingredient list. Right. Cause it's, it's very prominent on the label because the ingredient list is like water and natural flavors, everything else, the, the natural flavors is embedded in a list of, you know, like a hundred other ingredients. So it might not be easy to see. I'm not saying that we don't buy processed foods because we certainly do. And, you know, I just said, I just made a claim that probably isn't even true that 50% of the food we have in our house is handmade. I don't even know. I've never actually done the math, but we have a good amount of processed foods in our home. I will say I do aim to buy things organic when I can, but do I, you know, do I fret over natural flavors in our, in our pantry? Uh, no, I, I, I don't. I definitely don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure you guys have, you know, this is similar, very similar things that we have in our, in our pantry, you know, like the bars and I mean, natural, natural flavors really are found everywhere. They put them in everything. Um, so yeah. I, it's almost like you can't escape it. And I am not convinced at this point that there's any need to do so. All right. So what, this is so random. Here we go. What was your favorite Christmas gift this year? And I will say given and received. So I don't sound like a jerk. I'll go with given first, which was a (laughs) digital frame for my mom. So one of those that has the pictures that rotates through and it's called skylight. And how you how it works, and a lot of people probably know this that are mm-hmm. more techie than I, but you set up an email address for the person and it's it's really a product geared towards the tech challenge, which my mom definitely is. If I, she's probably listening to the podcast, it, she, it took her like a year and a half to figure out how to listen, but now she does. Um, <laughs> and hi, mom. Uh, so we set up the email address for her. It was the same as her Gmail and it's just at skylight, I think, dot com or whatever. So anytime we have a new picture, we can just text it or email it to that address. And it just mm. it, then it'll pop up like a notification on her on her um, frame. It'll say you have new pictures and then it adds them into the rotation. Oh, my gosh. I love that. It's I've definitely so heard of this. Cool. Okay. And it's not the only one out there, but that's the one I went with available on Amazon, like everything else. Best Mm. gift received, I would say was from Mark, uh, just because I wasn't expecting it at all. And it's um, a mug club to like our our local brewery. We took you guys there. Um, It's called Watermark. Uh, We ate pizza outside. I don't know if you remember that. It's the night you guys got in. Uh, Yeah. 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 So it's, I'm just excited. I don't know. I feel like I'm there enough pre-COVID anyway that I, I should have a dang mug. Uh, and so wait, explain to me what it means. Mug club. What is it? Yeah, it's a 20 ounce mug versus a 16 ounce pint glass. Or if it's like a stronger beer, it comes in like a little snifter or whatever. Um, but you get a, a larger pour and it's it has your name on it and it's your mug up on the wall. So when you go in, you just grab your mug and it's not cheap, um, it, but it's more of a novelty because they only open it up every so often. And it's a very limited uh, influx of, of newbies. So you're, you're kind of like an OG if you have the club. So. Wait, do you get so you when you go in there, you 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 say that's my mug filled out with beer <laughs> or you just grab. Yeah, your mug? no, you grab your mug. And then when you go okay. to buy a beer or whatever, it's the same price, but you get a 20 ounce pour instead of a 16. So, okay, I'm, I know I'm asking way too many questions. No, okay. But you say you can grab the mug yourself. Can, yeah. Can, ha, who's to say that someone else isn't going to grab it? Oh, it says my name, Nicole. I'll go yeah. grab that mug. I, I don't know. Okay. We're, we're trustworthy people here in Southwest Michigan, Gina. I don't know. <laughs> okay. um, I have no idea. That's a great question. This isn't the only brewery around that does that either. The place that we went that Cameron, actually, I was like petting him the whole meal where he had his shirt off and he, he was just like so cute. They do the same With thing. With his back. Oh my gosh. He's so sweet. Um, can't wait to nuzzle that little guy again. Uh, and apparently I have a fluids thing because I also got a hydroflask, um, because I'm very sick of taking fluids to work. The water at my building is so gross. I, it, it just has a very off taste to me. So I schlep mm. every single ounce that I drink during the day to work every morning. And I'm really enjoying my hydroflask. Very nice. Okay. I'm a bougie fluid intake person, apparently. <laughs> Beer and water. Beer and water. Those are two very necessary fluids. For me anyway. Okay. <laughs> what about no, you? I agree. All right. So I kind of forgot the the given. So I have to think, oh, I will say, I mentioned this on the last episode, the mirror. Oh, it yeah. was a huge hit. Huge. 
I, I, I mean, when you ask your daughter after she got like a million gifts, cause you know, she's got family from, you know, in every direction, what her favorite Christmas gift was. And she says the mirror that, you know, opens up and where I can put all my hair things and my makeup and this and that. When she says that's her favorite, I mean, it made me blush a little bit. I got to say it did look that was, yeah, she's just, I mean, actually I love it too. Like I said, I I think it's just perfect. Her room is just more clean and I, I, she, in the morning when she gets ready, she just goes right to the mirror and opens, opens it up. She can see herself. She can decide what to wear. It's actually made mornings a little bit more smooth. So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say that was a, that was a good perk. Mm. And then the favorite gift that I received, we, our toaster oven was old. I gotta say it, it was still working, but not great. So my dad and his wife gave us a, I actually sent them a link. Like, here's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's a toaster oven and air fryer. And I love playing with new kitchen gadgets. So over the past, you know, however long, half, you know, three-fourths of a month it's been since Christmas, uh, I've just been experimenting with lots of different things in this air fryer. Made some kale chips, beet chips, really, really good salmon. Everything that we buy that is, you know, fried and frozen. There I go with processed foods. Um, I just put in the air fryer instead of the oven. And it not only takes less time, but I feel like the end product just tastes better. Uh, so yeah, it's a, a win, win, win for sure. And, and of course, the, the toaster oven itself works much better than our old one. So that's great. So that's just been nice to have um, to replace our, our old one. That was definitely my, definitely my favorite gift. Hmm. So nothing too exciting. <laughs> All right, moving on. We had a question about pet peeves. What are some pet peeves that people or dietitians say about nutrition? So our pet peeves um, about, I guess, that dietitians say or that people say about nutrition. Okay, you answer this one first because I took a different spin after you answered it. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, got it. Oh, gosh, I rambled on with this answer. I think a lot of my pet peeves really come down to diet culture and, uh, you know, sort of the, well, yeah, diet culture, the the fixation on weight loss and body image. So, of course, I, I don't like to hear things or see it on social media about, you know, 3,500 calorie deficit means one pound lost. All you have to do is, you know, take in 500 calories less one, you know, every day for a week and that's one pound. So things like that, I definitely can't stand. I don't like to hear dietitians or really people in general use the term cheat meals. I've actually never liked that term, even when I was embedded in diet culture hard, hardcore. So I've just never liked that. But now even more so or cheat days or cheat weekends. Oh, I just I cringe when I hear that. Or when people talk about exercise in relation to food, you know, oh, you got to you know, got to work out to burn off that cake or work out to eat that cake later. I know a lot of Peloton usernames are things like that, like pedal for wine or pedal for cake. Have you ever noticed that? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, it's cute, but I guess I don't like it when dietitians say that or when I hear people saying it all the time, you know, you know, saying it every once in a while, sort, sort of tongue in cheek, sure. But when it's, you know, part of your mantra, it just irks me a little bit. Uh, I don't like when dietitians put diet up on a huge pedestal. I do think diet is super important, but it is not. I don't think it's the most important thing. I've always gone back to thinking that that getting good sleep is is probably more important and good mental health and mental wellness. A diet is certainly important again, but sometimes dietitians just make it seem like if you don't have you know a good diet, then you're just doomed. So that kind of talk. Uh, to Let's see. I I mean, I think this goes without saying, but I also don't like when dietitians are touting diets such as keto or intermittent fasting, especially for non-scientifically supported reasons such as weight loss. I mean, I think that they're obviously with keto, um, there's good support to say that it's helpful, helpful for epilepsy. Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely that's that's scientifically backed and supported, but for weight loss, I don't, I, I do cringe a little bit when I see dietitians, you know, supporting it, but you know, the, the person who asked this question was asking about my pet peeves. So I'm just going on. <laughs> Most importantly, I really don't like to hear about dietitians giving out a one size fits all recommendation, such as, you know, and I used to do this. Everyone should, you know, aim for 20% of their diet coming from protein 
50% of their diet coming from carbohydrate foods, 30% coming from fat, because it just doesn't work that way. You really have to get to know the person. Um, and not everyone does, does well with that blanket statement, um, you know, uh, percentage of, you know, macronutrients. I also think lastly, a pet peeve of mine that I'm learning that I've also not been good at is not having a good understanding of the stages of change. And I think that I am going to blame this on the current dietetic curriculum. I don't think we learn enough about the stages of change and the importance of meeting a client at their current stage of change. I mean, if someone comes to me and they're in pre-contemplation, I can't just be like, okay, now start, you know, making sure you eat, you get half your plate with fruits and vegetables. If they're still not convinced that they, that they need to change their diet, like who's to say that they're ready to jump in and start eating fruits and vegetables? They might not even eat them at all. So really having a better understanding of the stages of change and where to meet people where they're at. And again, I'm not going to blame that on dietitians. I'm blaming that on the dietetic curriculum. I think it's really important for any dietitian out there to get a good book on the stages of change. Um, you know, those stage, stages of change being pre-contemplation, contemplation, um, action. Oh my gosh. I can't even, I, I skipped one. Maintenance. Nope. I skipped one before that. Pre-contemplation, contemplation. Preparation. Preparation. Yes. Then action, maintenance. And then, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, I think it's really important to learn more about that. I wish that I had a whole class on that during my, in, during my undergraduate, but I did not. And I'm glad that I'm finally going back and learning that more now. Um, did I write anything else on there? Yeah. So that's, that's really it. What about you? Oh, you just <laughs> triggered all sorts in me because I happened to see quite a few patients at work today. I was, I think I was like, oh, I don't want to talk anymore tonight. Um, but I'm so glad I missed you, Gina. But what another thing that I think the academy has done a good job in recent years is nutrition, like fat, protein, potassium, whatever it is. That's one piece of it. But also being conscientious of people's budget of their mm. religion of their um kitchen like what do they have i mean i worked with a patient today who has 80 dollars to eat off of and the majority of things are frozen or canned fresh fruits and vegetables is is not going to happen with the current budget um at least certainly not in the degree to which a dietitian would traditionally recommend so i think it's not only the stages of change but also meeting people where they're at I, I think as dietitians we just assume that people are going to have the tools and resources mm -hmm. to um eat in a way that best supports health but I, if you can't meet a person where they're at you're lost i mean you you've just you're done right yes, sunk agreed. nobody nobody can do, and i I feel privileged to work with people who walk all all ways of life. And I think that's meaningful to me too. I think I took a bit of different spin on this after reading yours. And what came to mind for me was assumptions that people make about dietitians or mm. things kind of along that vein that are just kind of personal pet peeves. And so I've spent a lot of time thinking about this question. And I think one <laughs> thing that comes to mind is just the fact that people associate nutrition um, or being a dietitian with weight loss or work and weight management. And I cannot stress mm -hmm. enough that that is simply not the case. Mm -hmm. I weigh so few of my patients. And the ones that I do weigh, it's because they want to be weighed and they request mm. that. Um, so I think a lot of times when people say, go see a dietitian, that's obviously what they're expecting. And so I just will blast that myth, um, especially if I'm working with somebody on their blood sugars. I'm not going to say I don't care what they weigh, but that's not the emphasis. And that's, I can tell you from personal experience, not a pleasant um, experience. And so I just like to kind of blast that um, expectation uh, when somebody comes to me anyway. Yeah. Um, and I, I think also that dietitians are not always targeting weight loss, that there's more, more to health. Um, I was working with a patient just last week who was given a BMI goal of 29 from a bariatric surgeon. And I just found that very interesting. Um, it just it's just so specific. Um <laughs> I don't know. 29. Yeah, 29. <laughs> and her current BMI is 55. So um, okay. you know, she's obviously getting a lot of messages around weight loss and all of that. And I think it was just an interesting place to meet her um because she's doing a lot right in her with her just diet overall. So I think it's just interesting mm -hmm. the assumptions that we make. Um I will say that I get a ton of messages. Like I just got one last week 
around um, counseling. Like if I provide weight loss counseling from somebody mm-hmm. on Instagram and I was like, nope, that's not me. That is not, um, that is just not my strength. It's not mm-hmm. what I want to do and I'm not interested in it and I'm not good at it because I just don't, I don't embrace it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's just things that come to mind. Food policing. I I know people in my mm-hmm. life feel watched when I'm around and it kind of breaks my heart because I don't know how to convey. I don't give two hoots what you put in your mouth. <laughs> Go for it. Mm-hmm. Don't care. You know, I don't make assumptions about what people eat and I don't want them to make assumptions about what I eat. Yeah. Um, and along that same same vein there, assumptions about what dietitians do or don't eat or this really all or nothing mentality that you're either healthy or you're not. Um, and I would also add supplement use to that. I think a lot of people assume that dietitians take like mouth, like just fistfuls of supplements every day. <laughs> and that's just not the case. Or at least utilizing things like protein powder. And that just the, that has to be a part of a healthy diet. Mm-hmm. And I personally just don't believe in that um, yeah. as, as a standard anyway. I, I think it can fit, um, but I don't think that that's necessarily necessary. <laughs> Yeah. I think it all depends on the group of people that you follow on social media, honestly, because if you follow, if you look up certain things on the internet, you're going to see in your newsfeed certain healthcare professionals that, you know, focus on whatever it is that you looked up. And if it's weight loss, that's what you're going to continue to see. You're going to see dietitians who are touting weight loss, touting diets, touting supplements for weight loss generally. And if that's what you're constantly seeing, that's what you think only exists. And I think that's a problem with our, with our social media. There's a lot of problems with social media, but that's just one of them. Uh, I was going to say, I think it's also important to meet, not only meeting people where they're at financially or, you know, if they have, they follow a certain, and I think this is something that I, is important for me to, and I've learned more in my job now, you know, if they have follow a certain diet for their religion or if they fast during certain times, it's not only important to, you know, respect that and work with them with that, but also I think it's important to remember as a dietitian, and it's so hard to forget this, that not everyone knows what you would consider the most simple nutrition information. I can remember the first time I did a consultation with someone and I realized that they didn't even know what a green bean was. And it wasn't, and actually it had nothing to do with, you know, where they were from or their, um, they just... They just had never tried one. I, I think this, I, I don't know, it was an adult too. And I don't know if that's not even the example that I was thinking of, but I, that just came to my mind. But someone didn't know like at all, had no idea how to read a, a nutrition fact label. They never even thought about it or considered that they would need to look at one. Now I will say, I am not the type of dietitian anymore who actually looks at a label or even really counsels on how to read a food label because I tend to not do it myself. But I think it's good basic information to have. And this person had never even, hadn't a clue where to start. And I had just come out of school. And so that was ingrained in me. So I'm thinking to myself, they don't know how to look at a food label. Like they don't know what this means. But so many people fall into that category. And of course, now I understand that. But when I was a new dietitian, a lot of things like that would happen to me where I'm just like, wait, they don't know this? And it's just easy to forget that the lay public doesn't know what you went to school to learn. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. um, and then there's those who think they know, but actually really don't. <laughs> That's a whole another group of people. <laughs> whole different set of pet peeves there. Oh my gosh. Yes. All right. Next question's a doozy. Um, can you discuss your opinions on the China study, especially in regards to cow's milk? Do you want me to go first on this one? I, I, it doesn't I, matter. Either way. I'll just go ahead and go first because I just will say there's only a few things that I know about this, this diet. I will say there is a book and we'll put the link in the show notes if you are interested. We just learned before getting on here that it came out in 2004. It's based on a study. The study looked at about 6,500 adults in about 65 counties in China. And more or less, they looked at the correlation between different foods and lifestyle, diet and disease and found that certain foods such as casein, which is found in milk, the protein in milk, and other animal proteins may promote the growth of cancer and heart disease. That is really, really all I know about this. It's a way simplified version of the book and the study. Um, Truthfully, I have not looked much into it because I'm a huge proponent of really the extremely well-researched Mediterranean diet, which over and over again is supported as the best 
quote unquote diet or lifestyle, I would say, uh, which does include animal proteins and dairy. So I'm again, I if anyone ever says, you know, what's the best diet? Of course, I give my whole spiel on diets and then I talk about you know, the Mediterranean diet slash lifestyle. So the pyramid on the Mediterranean diet has animal proteins and dairy at the way top. So it's a little bit different than our, you know, pyramid in the, in the United States where dairy and protein might be somewhere in the middle when we used to have a pyramid, uh, but they have it on the way top. So right where, where we would have like sugars and sweets. So in other words, it, you don't need to get that much in your diet. You really don't, but it's there and it's important uh, if, if that's what you choose to consume, animal proteins and, and dairy, um, because it does have important nutrients. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say because of that, I haven't really looked much into the China study. I also was just really curious after doing a little bit of research on the China study, what the country with the least amount of cancer is. And it happens to be Israel, which of course is a Mediterranean um, country and they follow the Mediterranean diet. So I thought that was interesting. What about you, Nicole? Yeah, I love when this question came in. You were like, go for it, Nicole. <laughs> Your question. I was like, yeah, thanks, sorry. Tina. <laughs> um, that's what happens when you run point on the show. You get to decide, right? Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so just at a, at a super high level, you're not going to find a dietitian who denies the merits of a plant-based diet. You just, you won't. And if you do, you should run mm-hmm. the other direction. Uh, so that said, I mean, lots, lots good there um, that the China study kind of endorses. That said, a couple flaws. So we know that genetics and kind of health have a correlation. And traditionally, a Chinese diet was going to be very high in grains and vegetables and very low, again, in pretty much a void of dairy and then low mm-hmm. in meat as well. So I think when you look at that and and then you introduce these things to that population, I think it should be expected that that's not going to go so well. Um, so I think for me that it was kind of like a, well, duh. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't want to like dismiss the study because I think it, there was a lot of good research done around it. But I guess we I, I just can't say that there's um, a, a whole lot of takeaway from it other than strongly endorsing a plant-based diet. Um and and I don't so I don't know that we can take a population in China and extrapolate that to the global population or more specifically the U.S. population where we have a very different um, kind of dietary pattern and intake, um, just levels of of yeah the different nutrients in food groups specifically. So mm-hmm. I think we can extract from that what we what we want. Uh, but again, lots of strong and well-researched recommendations around plants and fiber and all of those things. The Also, the quality of the animal proteins was not addressed. And so we can't really say that we can compare, you know, you know wild salmon to hot dogs. I mean, that's not a fair, <laughs> I, I mean, truly, I, I did, I'm not going to say like comb the internet through and through for every little nuance of the study and because- Obviously, I didn't have time to read a book to prepare, uh, but there was that was strongly kind of um, an argument against kind of the outcomes was that the quality of proteins was not really looked at, at least in the level of de- detail that, you know, quality research um, deserves. So I think also just in alignment with what we kind of stand for on the show with intuitive eating and all of that. The China study doesn't really embrace an all foods fit or intuitive eating approach to nutrition and wellness. And so with regards to dairy specifically, I would question kind of, um, again, just the Asian population not being heavy consumers of dairy as it is. And so finding less and less surprising kind of what what the study found. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that that's helpful. But again, I kind of go glass half full with this and just say all foods fit consider the population it was studied in and plant-based eat plants. Like yeah. it's all good. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know that we, I would look at the study and say, yeah, proteins and cow's milk should, should probably go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anybody would say, yeah, those are the the foods that you want to emphasize in the diet. I think, well, it kind of goes back. It, it goes back to our first question mm-hmm. in the Q&A, you know, the, the pro-inflammatory foods. And there is some merit to, you know, sugar, refined grains, animal proteins, dairy products. Sure. Having a, maybe a pro-inflammatory effect. Do I believe that means they should be completely avoided? 
that is not, that would never be my approach with a, with a client. And that wouldn't be my approach with me personally or my family. Do I think that we should avoid them? And do I think, or limit them? And do I think that we need to maybe, in my opinion, I will say, consume less than what our USDA dietary guidelines suggest? I actually do. You know, I've never been someone who aims to get three servings of milk or, or dairy products a day, ever. Uh, for me, and I know I already said this, it's more like one. And then I, I supplement with almond milk or soy milk. And I, I was also, this just reminded me, you know, maybe there will be other more research that comes out and surfaces in the future about casein and um, and cancer. I, I just it just got reminded of our interview with uh, Dr. Siren, the breast mm-hmm. uh, specialist who said that there is some research on the horizon about casein or I guess just milk and breast cancer. Now she did, she did clarify that it was milk, not cheese, not dairy, which is kind of funny because the Mediterranean diet promotes mainly dairy and cheese. I I believe that they don't mention milk a whole lot. I believe in the Mediterranean countries, they're consuming mainly cheese and dairy, or I'm sorry, cheese and um, yogurt for their dairy. But anyway, I, I just, that just reminded me of that. So yes, I, would never, I am not one to ever say avoid something. And I also think that the China study is very interesting. I am just waiting for more. And this was 14 years ago and I've yet to see it. Um, so until then, I will continue to consume my animal proteins, but in limited amounts, cons- continue to con- uh, consume my dairy products, but you know, only once, maybe twice a day and and be happy. Well, and you've said it on the show before, Gina, you use protein as like a garnish. And I love that. <laughs> yeah just visual for people that, yeah, I don't think either one of us are, are heavy, um, you know, meat consumers or advocates, I guess you could say for, for a lot of reasons, nutritionally, environmentally, whatever, you know, the list goes on. But I I think, you know, that's, that's just a a bit of a tough sell for me. And, and this is coming from somebody, I'll be honest, who, who doesn't like eat up research. Like I just, cause it's hard. It's, it can be hard to really uh, determine whether it's quality research or not. But for me, a red flag is just the population in which they studied and how that that just does not apply perfectly to a general population. Right. Agreed. All right. Moving on. This is our last question. It says, what's gentle nutrition and can you do an entire episode on it? All right. I will go ahead and take this one. So gentle nutrition is the 10th principle of intuitive eating, which was purposefully listed last because like the authors say, if a healthy relationship with food isn't first in place, it's difficult to truly pursue healthy eating or gentle nutrition. So gentle nutrition is, I think, a nice change for some people who may be practicing what I would call obsessive nutrition. In other words, constantly thinking about nutrition when making food choices. So instead of thinking about, will I enjoy this? Instead, they're thinking, does that fit into my calories? Does this you know, fit into what my dietary needs are, my nutrition needs for the day? Gentle nutrition is this place where I would say I feel most healed from my past with an eating disorder and disordered eating. Uh, for, a, for a while after I was healing from my eating disorder, especially, I feared that every single time I made a decision based on nutrition, that that meant I was, you know, kind of reverting back to my eating disorder. So for a long time, I kind of had to toggle between an eating disorder and actually making healthy decisions and nutritious decisions for myself, kind of questioning like, am I, is this an, an, my ED talking or is this just me trying to be, you know, healthy and balanced? Um, So that was an an interesting um, moment of my life. Gentle nutrition is caring about nutrition and health, but not allowing it to rule every decision you make or don't make. There are two main main ideas in gentle nutrition that I really grasp onto. One is that we shouldn't judge our eating by just one meal, but instead look at our dietary patterns over time, which is a big that the uh, United States Department of Agriculture Dietary Guidelines promotes, which I really respect about the the dietary guidelines, one of the few things I will say. Uh, And the second is the quote, uh, in matters of taste, consider nutrition, and in matters of nutrition, consider taste. I think this is a good mantra to live by, truthfully, and I, I try to repeat it to myself often. It's really not neglecting nutrition. It's just not focusing on it purely. Always have it in the background, in the back of your mind, but make, but really try to make taste and pleasure first and foremost. And after a while, 
after you're deep into your journey of intuitive eating, you will find that you do actually derive pleasure from eating healthy and balanced, and you won't even have to put that much thought into it. Lastly, I do love uh, what they brought up in the intuitive eating book. It's the for the most part mentality. Uh, They discuss this for quite a while in the book, and I really like this. So in other words, I feel good knowing that for the most part, I eat balanced and healthy, but I leave plenty of room for extras. And I will say, this is only just a snippet of what gentle nutrition is. And as far as an entire episode, I'm just going to say this. It's coming in September and we're going to have someone extraordinary on the podcast. (laughs) And I'm almost afraid to say who it is, but let's just say, okay, I'll say it. Should I say it? Yeah, I'll say it. She already agreed to it. It's Elise Resch, one of the diet or one of the intuitive eating authors. She has agreed to be on our on our podcast and talk about gentle nutrition. And I am just I mean, I I'm floored. So <laughs> very, very excited about I'm that. true. I, I am, too. You texted and I was like, wait, how did you pull that off? I don't even know how you pulled it off. <laughs> I don't either. I, I just asked her. I was I reached out about um about scheduling the last step of my intuitive eating uh, curriculum for the certification. And I said, and by the way, <laughs> would you want to be on our podcast? And she was very receptive to that idea. And I was very excited. It's, it's all of this is, I feel being a dietitian is just so interesting right now. Cause I feel like we went through school to learn everything that we now don't want to do or talk about. Like <laughs> that we just, you know, 80, know. Per, you know, 50% this 30%. I, it's just interesting to me that now dietitians are I don't know. It's it's just and I think about like my work in the past month, let's say, and what's been most rewarding with for me and working with people. And mm-hmm. and some of it is just like gaining an interest in what they're eating. Like I want you to be excited mm-hmm. about what you're yeah. eating. Yes. And then how can you make it just slightly more plant forward or include more color or you know, just to mm-hmm. take these like micro steps, you know, towards just like improving the relationship and understanding of nutrition without jamming it down people's throats. Um, And and I feel like half of what I do is just I want people to like want to find me approachable and want to Mm -hmm. try things if I suggest like a new recipe or or a tip or trick. I I don't know. It's just I feel like dietetics is just changing a lot. And it's it's it interesting is. to not be involved in a formal way. Like I would be so curious to go through school like today and see if it was any mm. different. I don't know. Uh, I and, and I kind of want to go back to what I said about the dietary guidelines. I did actually read through the entire new dietary guidelines of 2020. So they're updated every five years. They came out actually this year. I know I'm such, it does, it actually pertains to my job. So I kind of had to read them. I want to, pull out bits and pieces of information from there and use it in our wellness programming at work. So it was important. And I have to say, I know that a lot of work goes into them and I should not say that I don't, I don't, I, I'm not going to dismiss them completely. I think really what bothered me about this round was I was really hoping there would be more focus on plant-based eating, not to say that it is, you know, something that is required or that is, you know, the uh, gold standard but, you know, they give all these different dietary pattern breakdowns for different age groups. You know, how many servings of of proteins, of fruits and vegetables, uh, how many servings of yellow vegetables, orange vegetables, green, blah, blah, blah. They don't even provide one for vegetarian diet. They alluded to it in the in the document, but you I couldn't find it anywhere. So they don't make it easy to find. I have yet to find it. So I'm looking for the one that doesn't include the dairy and that includes something else instead or doesn't include the... Uh, the breakdown of protein, which was like, I think chicken and beef and fish. I want to see what a vegetarian would need to consume as far as legumes or tofu that would equal to the same amount of protein uh, as those other foods. You know, maybe I could figure that out, but would the lay public be able to figure that out? No. So I want to see that in the dietary guidelines. Secondly, they have not done anything to change and they probably won't for a very long time. I'm not holding my breath, but um just their usage of the words, you know, weight maintenance and weight loss and their focus on that because because obesity is still classified as a disease, it will always be listed numerous times in the dietary guidelines. But after reading that book, Health at Every Size, I just have, I'm reading the dietary guidelines through an entirely new lens and it aggravates me. So, but 
Other than that, there were definitely some good nuggets of information and I will be using them. I will be referring to the dietary guidelines often this year. <laughs> All right, now to the fun stuff. I think we're done with our questions. Whew, those are big ones. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, what Easy. about your mom win or favorite new product or recipe? It's a recipe. I have been loving my Instant Pot lately and it's a chicken tikka masala. So Mark got on his phone somewhat recently and found a whole slew of recipes he wanted me to make. And oh. this was one of them. And I will say it turned out really, really, really good. Um, okay. So I will yeah. link that in the show notes. Is this different? I know you've done because remember, <laughs> I think I, I made fun of you because I, I always say tikka masala and perhaps I'm saying it wrong, but I remember having this conversation. So is this a, 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 a different recipe? Because I feel like I you've... try new recipes for tikka tikka masala okay. all the time. <laughs> I'm the... like dying to know if it's tikka or tikka. I, I had to I had to find it. You're so funny. This one is dairy free for anybody, um, you know, oh, needing dairy free. Uh, and I will say, perhaps even better than the tikka masala tikka masala was I suck at making rice. Like it is, I can whip up. I've probably mentioned this before, but I found a basmati rice that is a one-to-one rice-to-water ratio. And normally rice is like two-to-one, right? I don't know. I I always buy instant brown rice. (laughs) I also am really bad at making rice. I don't know. I think you're right, though. I think that's correct. Well, it's not usually one-to-one. I know this because I've messed up a lot of rice in my days. But this rice turned out so Good. It's like a joke. Mark's like, oh, Nicole's huh. making rice. This is, mm, we might be eating cereal tonight for dinner. I mean, <laughs> and it turned out great. Um, Do you not I, have a rice cooker? No, 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 no. Okay. I can't. I know unitaskers in the house. No. No. Okay. <laughs> Whenever I tell people that I can't make rice, they always ask me that question. Like, yeah. why don't you have a rice cooker? I hear that they are amazing, but I just, my, my family doesn't dig rice. So we just don't make it enough to yeah, buy one. Same. Anyway. What about you? All right. So I made, you know, our thing for Christmas morning is always some type of an egg casserole, like a veggie meat egg breakfast casserole. I found this one that I could put in the slow cooker. Now I'm wondering if it was in the slow cooker or not. I think it was. Oh, no, it wasn't. I'm sorry. It was not in the slow cooker. It was a veggie chorizo egg breakfast casserole. And it was not in the slow cooker. It was just in a regular casserole dish. It was very, very good. So I had this perfect mix of, you know, meat as a, as I would say, a garnish and lots of vegetables, some cheese, some egg, very simple and just, and really, really good. Even had kale in it, which honestly my family does not dig, but everyone seemed to enjoy it. I would even say that maybe next year I will make it with the veggie chorizo easily. It could be substituted, that could be substituted in, in this dish. So if you are vegetarian, you could use the the veggie chorizo or even really just a veggie sausage. It doesn't even have to be chorizo because um, it's a little bit spicy chorizo. So if you just want to make it a little bit less spicy, maybe for your kids, just use a regular sausage or a, a veggie sausage. But it was it was a hit. Sounds good. All right. We're going to read a review. This was, I'm not sure who it was from. I didn't write down the name, but it says unlearning my unhealthy. Oh, it's from Holly. From, it says, unlearning my unhealthy mentality. This is from Holly of the Loud and Louder podcast, which is also another good podcast if you want to listen to it. Actually, we'll have to ask you the, after I read this how you know them. But it says, mm-hmm. thanks to this podcast, I'm learning so much. It's really helping me work towards a healthier relationship with food. These two women are good at keeping conversations going and I enjoy listening. Yeah, so how do you, you know Misha from that I know podcast, Misha. correct? Yeah, Misha and I grew up together. We went to the first Baptist church in Oak Park, uh, oh Illinois. Yeah, we grew up together. Wow. I mean, yeah, our whole and lives, you, me and Misha. <laughs> we were church and girls. You call you call Flip Cup, Flippy Cup. Flippy Cup, yeah. <laughs> so wrong, so wrong. <laughs> yeah, Gina is referencing their recent uh, game uh, podcast. It was like games and and then it was drinking games. It They have a lot of fun and I love yeah. how different they are. They're And I think very you and different. I are similar in a lot of ways, but also very uh-huh. different. Uh, uh-huh. But Misha and, and Holly have a good time. It's it's a show worth listening. So louder and louder, loud and louder. Yes, it's good. All right. So coming up on January 31st, a day after my birthday, by the way, by the way, we will be dishing about, well, what else? Sex uh, <laughs> with an actual sex therapist. 
Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. All right, everyone. Until next time, be well. And Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Gina. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.